You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Intercepted. For Agby Packing Company, I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by my good friend, Keegan Abdu. Is it Abdu? Abdu. I never... You got it. I got it. Keegan Abdu from, from uh, Next Gen Stats. Say what's up to people, Keegan. How we doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you here because every week it, it's another week of you just being really excited about the Giants winning football games. <laughs> You're like, I can't believe this happened. Last week, what, you were at... You were at like a Giants bar. Just like, yeah, that cannot the, believe that. that was like the, that was the one loss. So that's that might be a bad luck. Maybe I need to be in the office and like tur- just watching on a second screen for the Giants to win. But um, yeah, I will be in the office this Sunday at six thirty a.m. Pacific. That should be fun. <laughs> I'm not excited about that either. Yeah, you and me are both on the West Coast. Yeah. What time? What time are you gonna have to wake up for this game? I mean, we office. usually don't need to get into the office until like 15 minutes before the game. And it's like at that time, it would be like a 20 minute commute. So I could probably 5.30. 5.30. It's still fun. not fun. It's still fun. not fun. I don't like not these games. I don't and like these the, London games. And then the uh, the Rams have a home game. And I was supposed to get out of there after the late slate. But, you know, the traffic's going to be an hour to get out of there because we share the same space as SoFi, so it should be a fun Sunday. Goodness gracious. All right. The New York Giants, the Green Bay Packers, we're going to London. There is the first matchup of teams above 500 in London somehow. First ever? First ever. Wow. First ever. There's a lot of Jags games. It's a lot of G- sub-500 Jags yeah. games in there. I went London- to oh, go ahead. Actually, um, in 2014, I went to the Lions-Falcons game in London, and it might have been the worst game of football I've ever seen. It was, I don't know if you remember this, but the Lions, I think it was the Falcons tried like a wide receiver screen to Julio on third and 10, down like three, two points with two minutes to go, and like it fell incomplete. And both teams were like missing field goals in the fourth quarter, actively trying to lose. Like It was a mess. Hopefully this will be better than that. How how give me the temperature check on Giants fans right now. Oh do, do they think they're gonna win this they're game? All the way in right now. They're all the way in. Um at least from my uh Giants fans group chat. Um we are a very confident uh folk right now. You know, it's it's playoffs or bust right now. And you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we also this is our first winning record since twenty sixteen. So let us live a little bit. That is funny that it's it's full playoffs or bust. The Eagles look like the best team in the NFC, and the Cowboys with the backup quarterback are still three and one. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, but like, who's who's getting those other wild card spots? I mean, that's true. I mean, if you look at it, it's like teams that we talked about coming into the the uh, season. It was like the Saints, the Cardinals. Those those teams haven't impressed recently. Nothing. 
So the Rams look very Rams bad. are no good. I think yeah. I think the Niners are going to win the NFC West by a good that. margin. That offensive line is just too banged up. The Rams defense is just stars and scrubs, and then Stafford doesn't look right. Like that's just too much to overcome. We were doing something for the Rams game yesterday. They have the lowest pressure in the league right now. I believe it. It's just Donald. Nothing out of Donald. Yeah. Anything, anyone other than Donald. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. <sighs> okay. Let's, th- let's talk about how some of these teams match up. So Jair Alexander is still on the injury report as of now. Um, you know, who knows about I, I, the tackles um, were limited on Wednesday, but we assume that they're going to play. Um, Elton Jenkins hasn't been looking good. At right tackle, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you have numbers on that. But uh, I actually did find something um, there in terms of just how much better the Packers have been running to the left. They're averaging six point six yards per carry to the left compared to three point eight going to the right. Hmm. Um, and I know, like, from you were your article is more from like a pass protection perspective. He's just been yeah. wide, please. So hopefully. Uh, Oregon strong Kayvon Thibodeau could uh, take advantage of that on Sunday. How's Kayvon been looking? Because he's only played two games, right? He's only played two games. Um, I mean, he's definitely acclimating. He looks a little lost out there at times, um, but he's made a few good plays. Um, he's definitely a fucking freak out there. Like just the length he has. It was there was one uh, pressure he had on Justin Fields, like chasing him on a rollout and he's just like flailing his arms everywhere looking like a steaming train but um yeah Aziz uh um I can never pronounce his last name but Ojolari yeah Ojolari uh he's also on the injury report right now which would be tough to loss because he's really important for our run defense and getting any pass rush from the edge um but uh I know Leonard Williams has been practicing this week. So from our perspective, that's probably. Yeah, the Packers fans think they're banged up. But then you look at the Giants injury report and it's seven guys were DMP on Wednesday. Seven more were limited. Uh Talking about two quarterbacks, four wide receivers, (laughs) Leonard Williams. Like that's a a lot of guys. That's a lot of guys. I mean, the wide receiver room, what is that like right now? Because all we hear from like a national perspective is people just pointing at Kenny Galladay and being like, bad contract, bad contract. Yeah. I mean, Galladay is worthless. Uh, <laughs> Wandale can't get on the field. Tony can't get on the field. Uh, I was actually pretty um, excited to see that Slayton played a lot in week four. He played 39 snaps, I believe, and hadn't played over 10 all season. I've always thought Slayton's one of our better receivers though, but you know, Shepard's out for the year. Uh, the Giants did shift to a lot of 13 and 12 personnel. Like they cut their 11 personnel in half in week four. So I would expect that to continue, especially if, you know, we're going in with banged up quarterbacks and just yeah. going to pound the rock and try and shorten this game. But um, yeah, we also lost uh, Aaron Robinson, our cornerback. Uh, he was actually playing pretty uh, well the first few weeks, but he's out for an extended period of time. Um Yeah. Injury bug is hitting again. (laughs) So as far as the quarterback goes, right, Daniel Jones had the ankle injury, goes out of the game. They put in Tyrod Taylor. I actually watched um, the late game of uh, Giants-Bears just to prepare for this. The the announcers went in on Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor took a hit 
on a scramble, which led to the concussion and him being right. pulled out. And they're like, you're the backup quarterback. You can't be doing that. There's not another quarterback behind you. The, the announcers went nuts. They went bonkers. Um, so obviously Tyrod. That's Tyrod's game though. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Um, but Tyrod goes out, right? And then they have to put Daniel Jones in, back in. And it's and like. they put him at receiver. They put him at receiver. Fucking, uh, Saquon and for like five plays. They just yeah. have Saquon run wildcat, just student body left, student body right. Yeah. And then. I think they realize like we don't have enough wildcat plays. Yeah. And then they have to start putting him in the gun and what they end up doing. It was funny. Cause the last, the last, so the penultimate drive, the second half of the drive, they're just in split back gun. And then uh, the last drive, they're in split back gun too. And it's basically just like, we have two running backs. Daniel Jones can't throw the ball, but at least if we have two running backs. You don't know which one is getting the ball. Exactly. It was Even chaos. Mostly going to be Saquon, or you would hope. But yeah, I mean, Green has got some juice, but you know, yeah, it's it was it was a chaos, chaos game. that they were able to that they were able to ice the game like that. How embarrassing for the Chicago Bears that you yeah. could not stop an offense without a quarterback at the professional level. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know the Packers have talked about all week. You know, especially coming off of that New England game where they had. Three guys bust off, you know, explosive runs. Um, Yards per carry have been really high against the Packers' run defense uh, Mm -hmm. this season. I think I saw it's like the highest since like 2006 or something like that. Um, They also have the lowest defensive success rate by far. So it's just consistent gains uh, against running back carries. They just don't get penetration. I think, you know, Kenny's Kenny's doing solid in that aspect. But um, I think Jerron Reed has like two cleanup TFLs, which are usually off of like uh, Kenny Clark. I don't know if you want to call it, like, we should probably figure out some way to call like pressures in the run game. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. Like, 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 a, a, like a defensive lineman, like plugging a gap. Sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like Jerron Reed has got like two cleanup TFLs off of like Kenny Clark run pressures. And then I don't think Dean Lowry's gotten one yet. And those guys are your starting three, four ends. Um, you know, they're playing a lot of three, four, fronts and then they play penny front too right which is like yeah. the one linebacker nickel which has all those guys on the field and they're just not able to get these guys they're not able to get any penetration plays and it's so hard to play defense without penetration plays and this issue has gone back to like last year like if you look at mm-hmm. the yards before contact allowed for the packers like they are a full half yard more than any other team going back to last year so yeah. i mean they, they just have no push up front and Hopefully the Giants, who are averaging, I think, one of the top yards before contact, especially, you know, going to Andrew Thomas's side, hopefully the Giants can take advantage of that. I I think they're going to be able to beat them up a little bit. The Packers staff has been talking about, you know, all week, about we got to stop the run game. You know, this is the best running back in the league right now in terms of, like, what he's putting out there on film and production-wise and all that stuff. If they just lean in on Saquon, I'm – Legit afraid. I saw a stat and it was like uh, Daniel Jones has only attempted like three passes of like 20 plus yards or something like that this season. And yeah, I mean, both of these offenses are super conservative in the passing game. I mean, both Jones and Rodgers rank in the bottom three of air yards per attempt. Yeah. But the Packers just play like spot drop quarters a lot of times, especially yeah. against these condensed formations. That's where it shows up the much is the most is 
you get into these condensed formations and then, you know, that corner is outside leverage, 10 yards off the ball, like very clearly going to play quarters around like bunch receivers and stuff like that. And it just gets frustrating when people are like, well, how do, how do we stop this? And it's like, I don't know. The the staff seems really to be, to do it. yeah, the, the staff seems like they want to do this. You know, they're, they're getting lucky on some turnovers. You know, they did against uh, the Patriots. They did against the Buccaneers. Um, but man, it, it would be nice to see adding a guy to the box every once in a while. And they talked about it this week as like a tendency breaker, but they're not going to change kind of their philosophy on football and they, their blitz rate. I, I see you have it down as 38% fifth in the league blitz rate is just five or are you talking yeah, sitting inside? five. So yeah. I, I know you guys win those penny fronts, you know, that would be considered a yeah. sending five there. Yeah, because they're they're sending five almost every single time in the penny front, where it's just you know basically the down linemen and then the edge rushers, but they're not sending like an actual inside linebacker. I think they sent, I think through the first three weeks they sent like two two actual blitzes. There was like a green dog in there and stuff with Quay, but like they're not sending anyone that's not on the line of scrimmage. They're just kind of relying on these guys, and you know Kenny's doing great. Um, Rashawn obviously is is. He's third in defensive player of the year odds right now, which to me seems crazy, but like, yeah. I guess. And then, you know, Preston's doing a pretty good job too. I know he's kind of weird because they use him kind of as like their drop outside linebacker, even though he's massive. I mean, he's got, he's got a belly on him and he's the one dropping as an outside yeah. linebacker. And sometimes that frustrates fans, but kind of in the system when they're in penny and stuff. I mean, they're just letting him go after the quarterback too. I think that he's blitzing at his highest rate since joining the Packers too. I think he's yeah. up to like 95% this year. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, Man, this game can just get like weird. So I'm, get- I'm, I'm just – my biggest worry from the Giants offensive side is, you know, I looked at uh, Rashawn Gary and like where he's been lining up. Week one, they kind of switched sides, but then, you know, in week two, three, and four, they put him at left or right edge on majority of the snaps. Um, and in week three, they put him, they switched him to right edge uh, to take advantage of Josh Jones or whoever the backup left tackle was for the uh, Buccaneers. So I'm, I'm worried they're just going to throw him across from Evan Neal all game. And Evan Neal is just going to overextend, trip over his own feet, and Rashawn Gary is going to just force a turnover to that way. But so how has Evan Neal been? Because Evan Neal was a guy that, you know, people really liked coming out of the draft. I mean, people even talked about him as a potential first-round pick. When when the Giants drafted uh, Thibodeau and Evan Neal, they were like, they might have gotten the two best guys yeah. out of this draft class, right? So I know I know he's on the injury report, but I haven't been paying too much attention. Like I said, I watched the Giants, uh, the end of game, like the last three drives or whatever it was against the Bears, but I haven't been play, paying that close of attention to him. Neil's been rough, especially in pass sets. Um, from a run blocking perspective, like he's a big body and he can get in the way, but he definitely like oversets, overextends himself, and that can get him in trouble. He looks lost out there sometimes, but you know, I'm still bullish on him long term. I mean, look at how Andrew Thomas looked his rookie year and how he's developed into maybe a top three left tackle in the league now. Um, he's got talent. It's just it's been a rough start. Um, I just think as long as we can get our our offensive line is so much better run blocking uh, than pass blocking. So as long as we can stay ahead 
of his sticks and get consistent gains. That's that's our path to winning, pretty much. Because Daniel Jones, as soon as he drops back to pass, if it is Daniel Jones at all, but you know, he holds onto the ball longer than any quarterback and fights pressure. He's been pressured at a top three rate every season of his career. That's never going to change. And then you know he can ball out when he is pressured because he can't sense pressure. So he'll throw a 30 yard pass every once in a while, but also fumble six times. So how, how big do you think an ankle injury is going to be for him? Because the giants haven't made a move at the quarterback position, right? They only have one guy on the practice squad in Webb. Um, you would assume that Tyrod isn't going to be able to, I don't know what concussion protocol even is in the NFL anymore because yeah, I'm going to, I, I got you. <laughs> I, I don't know what the concussion protocol in the NFL is anymore because like, I don't know if you can like fly with like without being cleared from the concussion sure protocol. Flew down though, right? Yeah. Dude, yeah. I, I just, yeah, it's just weird with an international game. I don't know how yeah. that impacts everything. Um, But you would assume that like web is going to be activated, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be Daniel Jones. But yeah. Daniel Jones with the ankle injury seems like a pretty big deal. You see all these stats and it's like the the way he's running the ball in terms of like the touchdowns and all that stuff. Yeah. It's the like option. only compared to like Vic and like in, in Lamar. And it's, yeah. it seems like a pretty big deal. It seems yeah, like a pretty big deal if he's banged I mean, up. It's, our buddy Steven Weez actually just did a, a podcast about the Giants just lean completely into the option run game and just run the Eagles offense. And like I – Use use uh, Daniel Jones as like a battering ram. Why not? I mean, let's just go and try and win these games. But um, I'm I'm very worried about him with an ankle injury because the past game too has been like all rollouts too. Like it, it, it's rollout, find oh, the so guy he's just on the, in the flat, and you know just get a consistent game. Like that's where our offense has been good this year is getting. Jones on the move in the run game, having him scramble or having him on his nine rollout. I am not bullish on our passing games overall, but especially if he can't. All right, let's take a break. And then on the other side, we'll talk about these matchups a little bit more. Cool. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. Let's talk about, let's just stick with Giants offensive or with the offense and uh, the Packers on the defensive side. So you've already kind of laid it out, right? Like Daniel Jones, they're running the ball with him. They're moving him on the run uh, when they're getting into the passing game. Saquon Barkley's doing a great job running. Packers can't get any penetration plays, but like, if if he's having to be a drop back quarterback, what what do you think the odds are for your Giants? Not high. I Not mean, high. If, if we get into you know third and long situations, like you might as uh, unless Saquon's making a play like on a check down, you might as well just punt the ball. Like I I don't see how we're we're moving the ball if we're not staying ahead of the sticks. Um, yeah, uh, it's 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 ugly. The receiving room might be. I mean, this is a battle of two of the maybe bottom three receiving rooms in the league right now. Um, so, should be a fun slog fest for all our British fans over there. But yeah, the the other thing too, the Packers are going to give you hope at the beginning of the game. The Packers on their opening drive defensively, they're terrible. I don't I don't think they've stopped a team from scoring in the in the opening drive. And this is a defense that hasn't allowed a ton of points, right? Like yeah. I know from like an efficiency standpoint they've been pretty bad. Um but usually like when they're they're able to like allow teams to get drives like uh against Tampa and stuff, they're punching out the ball at some point during it. So it's it's a really weird split of like their opening drive, they're just terrible. They look like they can't play football. It's it's infuriates fans to no end and then after that they end up looking like half decent and they're able to get turnovers and stuff but that opening drive I just assume you know they're gonna defer you know to start the game Giants get the ball and they just drive the length of the field for a touchdown and that's when the game starts I feel like Giants are gonna come out do have two or three tight ends on the field on 80 percent of plays on this first drive and just try and run the ball down your guys throat see what we can get and, you know, hopefully that keeps the chains moving. But um, I don't know. The other the other thing that kind of just came to my mind, like if Wandale and Tony can play, like maybe we go away from all of our tendencies this season, just try and get the, the ball in their hands in the quick game to change things up. I mean, that's really the only way I could see us moving the ball uh, passing perspective, like if Jones is not going to be mobile. So this was the other thing, too, since you brought up Tony. Was it weird that Saquon was the Wildcat quarterback? Because Tony did that in high, he was like all state in Florida at quarterback. Right. He didn't convert to wide receiver until he was at Florida, and they we had you know that's kind of the the rap on him, right? Is that yeah. like he's not really polished around the edges because he hasn't played receiver for a long time. So I know Tony's a smaller guy, but in terms of like just getting the ball in his hand, like would you be surprised if they were running Wildcat stuff with Saquon or with Tony in this I game? Would not. I would not at all. Um, that's definitely a narrative too. I was looking up Tony before this to see like 
any updates on you know his health and like half the tweets are like tony's gonna be our quarterback for uh in the london <laughs> game like I, I would not be surprised to see dable kind of mix it up a little bit there with such a limited you know quarterback situation how do, how are you liking dable and it doesn't sound like he's doing exactly what he was doing with the Bills, which is oh, kind doing, of what I find interesting. I think he's gone back. I think the Bills was more of an adaptation to Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at, you know, formation with, like, they were running the spread for all three years he was yeah. in Buffalo. But they're, they're back to kind of being a more condensed formation team. Um, I really like Dable so far. It seems like the players are really responding to him. Um, I, I loved his call to go for two to, for the win in week one and just – you know, that was a great way to start the season. They've made a lot of great uh, second half adjustments in the run game too. And it's run, the run at him and Kafka are running like a very diverse run game um, that kind of just pokes and prods until we can, you know, find the way to exploit that defense. Um, so I've been, I've been very happy with, you know, this new regime, Martindale too, from the other side of the ball. I know, yeah. you know it's, he's live or die, but the Giants defense is definitely punched above their weight as well. Who's is Kafka calling plays? Kafka is calling plays. Yeah, Dave will gave that up. Nice. Um, he's a guy who might get a head coaching job pretty soon. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was uh, like a hot name two years ago too. Yeah, quarterbacks coach. It's like I wouldn't. Chiefs Andy Reid disciple. I wouldn't be surprised again just because of like the off field stuff with the enemy. I wouldn't be surprised if Kafka ends up getting a head coaching job before he does, which would be kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, Daywall, any weird like clock management stuff that he's done? I know it's kind of wonky with some of those guys because he was he was a booth offensive coordinator for the Bills, and now he's on field head coach, which can always be a pretty big jump because you're changing your perspective of like where you're even seeing the game, right? I think he's done a good job of delegating in that respect. I, I haven't noticed anything egregious from a game management perspective. He's certainly not Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, <laughs> You guys got to figure out. I I really wish. Do you think that there's any way to quantify like clock management in a way that's like consumable for for fans? Because I feel like if they had those numbers, we would be able to bully some of these coaches a lot more. Because it's yeah. offensive sometimes what some of these guys do. Well, so like I've got I've gotten requests from like NBC and stuff um, to break down like because we can use our win probability calculator and adjust like the time. Mm-hmm. to like show how much win probability the Broncos cost in week one by waiting 40 seconds to call the timeout. Yeah. And it was like 4%. Like it's a significant amount. I mean, yeah. the, the choice to kick a 64 yard field goal in Seattle was significantly more cost worthy, but also losing 40 seconds didn't help anyone either. So th- there's definitely ways. Um, I know we also have like play time, like uh, game uh, play clock, stuff and like time between snaps we just haven't really explored that data yet but it's definitely something like i would like to look into eventually okay i'm gonna ask you some questions about your job now so i, I, I this that we're breaking away from giants packers but okay. it's because i like all this nerdy stuff you know i worked in a front office for for the uh-huh. xfl i like all this stuff there's basically i was living in in data for two and a half years around football i remember first thing i want to ask all these win pro- probability models that said, you know, they had a 20% chance of making that field goal in, in Seattle, right? The the Hackett field goal. Yeah. Ours was, uh, we said it was 14%. 
How? That would have been the longest outdoor field goal in NFL history. Is, is some of that yeah. data trained on indoor games? Yeah, so um, our model takes into account uh, weather effects, altitude, and everything. Um, and it, we basically use a survivor curve because the better kickers are going to kick longer right. field goals. So we try to account for that. Um, you know, 14% is still super low. I, right. I, I think that, you know, it's been made in, indoors and in high altitudes. Um, I, I feel decent about that number. <laughs> okay, second question. What's your day-to-day gig like? So you work for Next Gen Stats, right? Yeah. People hear that and they're like, yeah. okay, this guy works with numbers. But like, what does that actually mean? Yeah, so uh, we have a pretty like regimented schedule when it comes to deliverables. Um, there's a team of uh, five of, of us analysts right now, um, which has grown over the last two years. But basically um, on Monday, we put the, our main priority and main deliverable is the Thursday night packet, Thursday night football. Um, which has now become like our premier product with Amazon Prime and the Prime Vision broadcast, which everyone should check out if they have not yet already. Um, and then uh, Tuesdays, we deal with NBC. Wednesdays, we do uh, the main Fox games. So that's the Olsen Burkhardt crew. Mm-hmm. And Thursdays, we put together um, a Monday Night Football packet. And these research packets, as you, uh, I sent to you, um, you know, we kind of try and break down the matchup, usually, you know, three to four, five pages diving deeper on, you know, trends with these teams, trying to highlight what, where the players win, where players are struggling. Um, And then during all these games that we provide packets for, we're providing in-game support with the production team to get our stats on air. And we have deals, sponsorship deals with Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and Fox. Uh, Usually it's about three of the main broadcasts per year where we need to get a next-gen stats execution in. Uh, so that's when you hear Chris Collinsworth going, and here, going to our next-gen stats. And he does a 10-second, 30-second uh, you know, talk over a clip with our stats in there. Um, so that's kind of our main priorities. But we also have – we wear a lot of hats. Um, every Wednesday now we write a uh, Power Rankings article based on our stats. Um, we run the next-gen stats Twitter account. We – uh, manage all the dashboards um, that power our website, um, which is available to our team clients uh, or to all teams, uh, and then also our media clients, um, which we are kind of trying to constantly iterate upon and build out, um, among other things, and kind of just other side projects here and there, uh, working out, helping working with the engineering team to come up with new metrics. Uh, we're actually launching. A coverage classification model next week which we're really excited about um but yeah that's pretty much the day-to-day awesome man the prime vision stuff amazing that's yeah. the best broadcast in football if you guys haven't watched it the amazon prime stuff you can go down i think it's like the bottom right corner and click around mm-hmm. you know for thursday night football and change kind of like what the broadcast is if you go to the prime vision you're getting like the all 22 basically and it has you know, all the play, like the skill player names on it, like on the offensive side, you can see what routes they're running in game. I mean, it really does help because you could watch the game live and you're like, oh, the dig opened up and the quarterback exactly. just didn't throw it. And it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's got something for everyone too. You know, like it's got yeah. the all 22 for all the film guys. It's got, you know, our, our hit rate on our notes in our packet for Amazon Prime Vision is 
about, you know, 80 to 90% is getting in there, like on the L bar compared mm-hmm. to, you know, a main broadcast who might get two or three notes in it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have a cool fourth down decision guide that comes up on the uh, right side. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Sam Schwartzstein, who's been doing a great job with that. I'm, I'm on Slack with him during every Thursday night football game, going back and forth with him, trying to feed him some great stats. And he's doing a great job with that. I love Sam. I'm excited. He's uh, working in, you know, forward facing football role again. Um, he, yeah, he was, he worked with us at the XFL. I think he provided a quote or uh, a chapter even for uh, Tyler Brook um, on our staff. He just wrote a book about uh, kind of like the nerdy side of football and uh, Sam was able to help there. So Sam's got some fans at APC. Yeah, I love Sam. Excited for him. Um, let's get to the other side of the ball now. Wink Martindale. Wink is, I'm very excited about what he can provide against the Packers because the Packers really through the first two games of the season, they were just seeing quarters, right? I mean, yeah. against the Vikings and the Bears, they're just basically saying seeing two high safeties. Against Tampa, you saw more pressures, right? A whole lot more pressures. And then against New England, New England was playing them a lot of single high, right? So now we're getting back to a team that probably is going to play them closer to like what Tampa did defensively. And that Tampa gave the number okay. one single high in the parade this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they're sending pressures too. Is yeah, is sending pressure, heavy pressure as Wink as is Wink Martindale's DNA. So what he uh, does, a lot of sim pressures, a lot of just blitzes, a lot of DBs coming off the edge. Uh, McKinney and Julian Love have both have a few pressures apiece this year, um, and you know, no one loves other than maybe Miami aligning like six guys on the line of scrimmage and doing just sending five, you know, and messing with the protection for the Wink. So. How do you think the Packers match up with that? Because the way I see it, you know, Green Bay, the way that they test these teams when they get into those pressure situations, it's a lot of like either they're going to RPO it and see yeah. if you're bluffing or not, right? I think I think Rodgers, unfortunately for the Giants, I think this is like a perfect matchup for Rodgers. Like he kills the blitz. He always has killed the blitz. And, you know, he's just going to get rid of the ball immediately every time. The, the pass rush is not going to have a chance to get home if they're staying ahead of the sticks and, you know, don't need to push the ball downfield. So, I mean, it's going to be up to the giants to rally and tackle and like, make sure, you know, this turns into a slog fest and there's no explosives, but um, I mean, you look at the Packers offense, I I gather a few notes here, but like, it's just all flat routes, all flat routes, like (laughs) hitch routes, non-existent Uh, digs, non-existent corners, non-existent. He's throwing flats, at the highest rate for the third straight season, throwing slants at the second highest rate. Um, and, you know, it, it works for them. I mean, Rodgers gets the ball quickly, gets the ball into uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones's hands and let them create after the catch. But, you know, they just don't have the guys to vertically stretch it, and they're living on this, and we'll see, you know, how long that lasts because it's a very delicate way to play offense. Yeah, they they do test deep, but usually it's like – pretty clear we're getting cover one situations and they're throwing slot fades right up the, up the sideline. That seems to be kind of what they're doing. And they've had mixed results in that, right? Like it's kind of what it is, right? Like a slot fade is either 
going to be a massive play that's going to go 25 plus or it's going to be incomplete. Yeah, it's just kind of what you live and die with. So it's weird to see them just not really have explosive plays. And I don't know if it's like a they need to get under center more and, you know, start running some of this boot action stuff more. But they've been in the gun so much because of the RPO game that, like, yeah. it, it doesn't it, – they're trending in a different direction right now is, I guess, the best way to say it. I guess they have missed some – big plays you know obviously there's a christian watson drop in week one yeah and then like you know Dobbs had that drop in the end mm-hmm. zone the des catch the des-esque catch uh that was last week or two weeks ago last week yeah um, but you know lazard has really been their downfield guy since he's returned accounting for 40 percent of their air yards so um Dobbs right now is running a really limited route tree it's like all screens and goes um so we'll see if you know that develops as he develops as a player but um, yeah, I know I know you're the biggest uh, Romeo Dobbs fan in the world. <laughs> I just enjoyed the off season of Romeo Dobbs. The the starters didn't play at all in the preseason. Yeah. We had to do something, so I was like Dobbs, and then people were like, "Is Dobbs actually going to be like the number one wide receiver?" I was like, "He's wide receiver four. Like his his ADP and fantasy, like all that shit, just skyrocketed after he were just because of me. Ball. I will say." I bet I bet two guys for offensive rookie of the year, both plus ten thousand. It was Romeo Dobbs and then Tyler Algier, I think is how you say his name, the running back for Atlanta. Yeah. They're they're just sitting solid now. I think both of them have won rookie of the week now. Yeah. That, that, was Your boys Algier. got the eye. Your boys got the eye. I can still evaluate some of these guys. I haven't <laughs> lost my touch yet. Like those, those are good spots. They just need opportunities. One injury happens, and both of them are looking great now. Um, who coverage wise, right? So Wink is going to have to sit in a lot of man if he's going to send a lot of these pressures. Yeah, he loves he loves cover zero more than pretty much anyone since Greg Williams too. So yeah, how are these corners doing in New York? Uh, Dory had a really strong start to the season, and he's actually been pretty good with the Giants in terms of like completion percentage allowed. Um, he'll still give up plays, but on a consistency basis, he's been solid. Uh, Aaron Robinson was playing really well before he got hurt, so we'll see who steps in there. Uh, and then Julian Love in the slot is a, a useful player. Adoree is so weird because Adoree was a guy who his issues has never been coverage, but in Tennessee at least, he was such a liability in the red zone as a guy who was ran at. Yeah, like that's probably why they made the change there. He's kind of been a pretty willing tackler this year. It seems like all the defensive backs are. It might just be like a philosophy thing under Wink, but like these guys have been cleaning up and pursued on the on the outside, which will be big against you know Aaron Jones. Uh, Dylan's more of an inside guy, but Aaron Jones on the edge, we do not want to allow him to get some explosive that way because that's really the only way your offense has been generating explosives. Yeah, and Green Bay at the goal line. I mean, Green Bay at the goal line, they do so many of those funky things, right, where yep. you can look back and see, like, you know, Jalen Ramsey throwing his hands up because the Packers ran a double motion and they don't pick someone up and Rodgers just dinks down for, for a touchdown. That Those are the things I'm like, I don't know, do they attack Adoree in that way? Because the one benefit that they have with some of these wide receivers is they are still, like, pretty big wide receivers who are very willing blockers. Like if you even get 
you know, Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb out there on the goal line. I wonder if they can like move Adoree a little bit and if he could be tested in that aspect. Cause that is something that he's kind of been inconsistent at. Lazard's a, a good end, uh, red zone weapon too. I mean, he, yeah. I think he's like top ten, five in the league in end zone targets since last year. Yeah. Blitz rate for uh wink. I'm looking at it right now. You gave me the stats. 2018, he was third, 2019, first, 2020, first, 2021, sixth. And that was with backup corners. Yeah. In, in That's Baltimore. Why he dialed it back a little bit. Now he dialed it he back was, to he six. He was dialing it back, but it was still like 32% and sixth at highest in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh, this year, it's, it's second. And when you look at DB blitz, right? So he's sending, you know, guys off of the slot and stuff like that. First, first, second, second, first. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to send a ton of blitzes. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm, I'm excited because it's an opportunity, but I'm not sure it's going to totally break in Green Bay's way on this side. That's what I'm worried about. Like if, if, if Wink can mess up Rogers with blitzes, then I'm, then I'm worried. If the offense was, can't score points this week, I'm uh, legit worried about the rest of the season. How is the protections been like in terms of, I mean, is, is Rogers like just, protection proof in that way like I know like as you said Jenkins has been struggling Bach yeah. is finally back from the dead I guess yeah but um like have they been able to sort shit out because that's like the one thing I would worry about going against Wink Martindale the big play Tampa did one of those things where they walked seven guys down the line of scrimmage right and Rogers I think one benefit with Rogers is and it sounds dumb but his cadence the fact that he can mess with his cadence so much he was able to do that with Tampa yeah. and you know you see one linebacker starts to like bail out a little bit Rodgers changes the protection the way Tampa did it they walked down seven guys and they looked like they were going to overload one side but the overloaded side the outside linebacker starts walking out when Rodgers hits him with a double count changes the protection and is like completely flip it to the side that they're not showing pressure to post snap all the guys on the overloaded side bail out and then they're sending like slot corners and, and down safeties from the other side and they pick it up totally fine. They th- end up throwing a first down to Robert Tunyon. So I think Rogers will be down uh, or be, will be solid in terms of being able to like sort that stuff out on the line of scrimmage. One thing that kind of worries me a little bit though, in that same Tampa game um, on actually, I think it was the slot fade to Alan Lazard down the sideline, you know, you kind of see how Newman who's been practicing at right tackle up until Jenkins came back into the lineup and Jenkins now at a new position at right tackle, haven't totally figured out how to communicate, you know, in terms of like live snaps, especially on the road in a hostile environment. I mean, I assume there's going to be a good amount of Packers fans in London, but who knows with European fans, if they can be quiet. There's no such thing as a hostile environment in a football game in London. Like, yeah, I, 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 I just don't know. There was uh, – I saw, like, Marion Barber Chiefs jerseys, Joey Harrington <laughs> Lions jerseys. Like, there's just, like – people are just there to enjoy the game. There's, like, no crowd noise you have to worry about. I, okay. I don't think there's going to be an uh, issue there in terms of communication. Um, but, uh, how's, the, how's the interior of your guys' line? Because Dexter Lawrence was a – fucking monster last week i think it's solid but we've seen a little bit more up and down from josh myers at center which has kind of been worrying me a little bit i think john runyon jr is very good i think newman is way more comfortable at right guard i mean i think ideally newman is a guy coming off the bench but 
he's been doing better than he did as a rookie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, Lawrence Lawrence pretty much won the game, I would say, for the Giants last week. I think he had 12, pre- like 10 pressures or something like that, like was just eating the center's lunch every play, blowing up shit in the backfield. So Bears fans were excited him. about this year. I, can, I could not, could not believe it. I Bears could not believe it. Uh, um, no, but on that play in Tampa, that slot fade, they just turned an edge rusher loose. Like you can hear Newman say like, Ray, 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 to like fan out on the right side. Uh-huh. And Jenkins just, I mean, it was like picked up on the microphones for, for the Fox team. Jenkins yeah. just didn't pick up the edge rusher. They end up two on like the three tech and, and you know, free edge rusher Rogers, thankfully, I mean, he knows he's going to throw a slot fade piece of a pre-snap alignment because he's getting cover one, but he was able to deliver a ball. But, I mean, he holds that ball a half beat longer, and he's just taking an edge rusher to the face. So I think I think in terms of, like, sorting out protections, I don't think it's a Rodgers issue as much as an offensive line issue. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe we get a couple. I mean, even last week we had Rodgers yell at, at, at uh, Josh Myers, snap the fucking ball, and just, like, chuck the ball at him, like, during a free play attempt. So I don't know. I, I could see him blowing up on the offensive line a couple of times. I feel like we're due. Yeah, definitely a nice little Rogers tantrum in our. Uh, what did he say in, in that uh, interview? He learned how to love himself. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then on Sunday Night Football, he's just screaming at everyone. He does do that. So they asked him about it on McAfee on Tuesday. I have to watch it uh, every time just to see if you know he's going to say anything because he has an live mic for an hour. And he's like, "Yeah, I didn't. I didn't practice patience." there he's a weird guy he's a weird guy i don't actually understand how he how he works it seems like there's two different aaron Rodgers, and it's like the on-field aaron Rodgers, and then the aaron Rodgers who's like mindfulness and they just do not they're not compatible at all he just has to turn to a different guy when he's off the field it's weird i mean you probably don't want a mindfulness zen guy as your quarterback you kind of want a killer so yeah it's it's probably good for who would be like mindfulness quarterback like Mariota I guess I guess it'd probably be like Mariota something yeah, like that maybe let's get into uh predictions Packers Giants what are you expecting in this game I am expecting a close slog fest for the first you know two maybe three quarters but I think the Packers pull away and probably win by multiple possessions in the end, I think I think Rodgers ends up hitting a shot play, and the Giants just can't get anything going explosively. Um, uh, if you if I got to say a number, let's say twenty to ten. That's pretty close to what I was. I was going to say like twenty four fourteen. So that makes sense. Yeah, I, I want one more take on the way out. New York yeah. Giants, they got to go back to the actual like Giants helmets, right? Like the jerseys from like the eighties are the best ones. Oh, absolutely. And the Giants, hell, I mean, did you see what they were wearing last week? Like, it, yeah, that's the best jersey in the league. I, I it is it's, it's really player. weird because, like, the NFL, it seems like they figured out uniforms in the 80s. Yeah. Everyone's uniforms in, like, the 80s or, like, really early 90s were are better than what they have right now. Oh, absolutely. And the Giants jerseys on game day, like, if you go to a game at MetLife, it's going to be, like, still 30% people in the old school jerseys yeah they gotta go back they gotta go back to it sometimes you gotta get in order to go forward you gotta go backwards (laughs) uh plug plug all your stuff 
Uh, yeah, just follow me at uh, Keegan Abdu on Twitter and uh, make sure you tune into Prime Vision. Uh, you'll see our shit everywhere. But, you know, if you don't follow the Next Gen Stats account, make sure to do that and uh, be on the lookout for our weekly Power Rankings article that comes out every Thursday morning. Awesome.